Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Oh, we're back in the studio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. Today we're going to share some tips from top growers. And, you know, some of these things we've been talking about here at our workshop so far this winter. And I, I would say this, Brian, as we get started today, uh, workshops have been great. Farmers have been really positive and looking for, hey, what's going to give me a good return on investment going into this year? There's a lot of new things out there to take a look at. In some cases, there's some supply issues, especially with things like Roundup and Liberty or or huge price increases where guys have said, you know, I'm going to change my program. What would give me a good return on my investment? So it's a fun topic this year when you've got good commodity prices and farmers that are really optimistic that, hey, this could be a really good year for me to talk about what can I do to make a little bit more money this year. All right. So I'm Brian Hefty. That's my brother, Darren. We are going to be talking a little about these tips from top growers today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, weed control question for you to start off. This one comes in from Tom over in Iowa. He said, all right, guys, got woolly cup grass and going to plant soybeans into the field this year, 30-inch rows. Planning on using Broadax plus Metribuzin and follow up with Roundup. Is that going to be good enough? Am I going to see late escapes? Is there anything I can add to get more soil-applied residual help on woolly cup? Yes. If you just used a yellow, that'd be like trifluralin or prowl, that's going to do much better than that broad axe. Otherwise, Roundup post-emerge is great, and any of the volunteer corn killers will have some activity on, on woolly cup grass as well, although clethodim would be the best of the volunteer corn herbicides. All right. Thanks for the question, Tom. This one comes from Larry. He said, I attended your tiling clinic this week. Thank you for the great information and, of course, the hospitality. I got a question, though, that, that came up. Uh, I was expecting that all your fields would be pattern tiled by your enthusiasm for tiling, but it appeared to me you focused on problem areas in a lot of your fields yep. so that you don't pattern tile the entire field unless the entire field is a problem. Can you tell us what the strategy is there and what your program is going forward? Yeah, it's one simple thing, slope. So where we have sufficient slope, then we don't need to pattern tile. If we don't have real good slope, then that's where we're pattern tiling. So basically our flatlands are pattern tiled, our rolling hills, we have tiled through the valleys, up into the side hills, and in some cases all the way to the top of the hill. All right, uh, this comes in from our friend Diego down in Argentina. He said, I, I really enjoyed when you guys have shared your workshops via the internet so I could check them out. I, I've seen your wheat workshop and your tiling workshop this year and got to stay by the beach. Uh, well, thanks, Diego. Really appreciate that. Thanks for the pictures as well. Yeah, it has been fun. We've gotten a lot of feedback from, from well, literally all over the world about about some of the workshops that we've been doing. And it's interesting to, to talk through some of these ag information and, and idea exchanges that we get into uh, that they do pertain to a lot of different areas. So so thanks for checking us out. We really appreciate the support. This one comes from Nick, and uh, he said, well, oh, we had this question come up during the tiling clinic, too, and maybe we already got this one. He said, 
if I'm tiling through CRP, do I need to pre-rip where I'm going to put laterals? But nope. uh, I think we already answered that one, and, and no, you shouldn't have to. Uh, get this one in from Lauren. He said, I'm up in Alberta, Canada. I really enjoyed your, your wheat and tiling clinics you've had online. Lots of information. We're, we're so far behind here in our country with our drainage rules and regulations. My question is, I caught most of your first day of your soil clinic. Are you going to repost any of that information, or is there a way that I can, can catch? I didn't catch the second day on the uh, Internet. Uh, yeah, we probably will put that back up at least for a little bit. So when we get done with all the workshops, I would assume we'll probably post things for just a little bit more. But a lot of our stuff is, it's topical, it's timely, and we, we just, we hate having some of those live events that we do up very long. So anyway, uh, yeah, we, we were only leaving it up, I don't remember, a week or two or something like that. But yeah, we'll probably repost that at some point here. All right, got this one in from Lauren. He said, this picture is from one of my canola fields this last year. Two-thirds of my fields look like this out of 3,800 acres in July. Think drainage tile will solve all these problems for me. <laughs> yep. Yes. Basically, he's got water standing in a lot of areas in his field. And it looks like, and it's it's hard to tell just from the 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 picture that we got but it looks like there's a creek that runs off the left side of this picture um, it, it certainly looks like there's a water course of some uh, of some sort and it also looks like there isn't a lot there aren't a lot of hills but there's enough slope there that you should be able to do this where was this at by the way north dakota alberta i thought oh yeah so i mean it looks like it to me that you should be able oh, to drain no, that and he it, did it not say it. he did not say okay but anyway yeah it looked like uh, I mean, when I when I look at this at first, yeah, the first thing I'm thinking about is tile because we had some of the same kind of stuff on our own farm. I, not as as bad as I don't think we had anything as bad as this, but we had what we would call alkali spots a lot of times, and it was areas where water would sit a little bit. And so, what a lot of people have done over the years is they've tried to take care of that with surface drainage. In other words, uh, um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, cutting out some of the potholes and making it easier for water to get off the field faster. When you do that, though, the problem is erosion, and he still didn't solve the true problem, which is internal drainage. What we care about is keeping the water table down because it's fine to have water off the soil surface, but what really matters are your plant roots below ground in that top couple of feet. So unless you get your tile lines down at three feet or deeper, you're going to have that water table high, and you're still going to have all kinds of problems, even if you were to get the water off the surface of the soil. Right, thanks for the questions. Uh, had a grower at, at one of our workshops this week that made a comment that he's moldboard plowing in his area. He's got really high organic matter and heavy, heavy soil, and that's working better for him. Uh, and we had a couple of comments come in on the moldboard plowing. Uh, this one came in from FH who says, we still moldboard plow our land. We just can't go no-till on our white clays here. And HLS said, well, we've got 800 acres in organic production. You have to moldboard plow that ground just in order to control the weeds we've tried other lesser tillage methods and it was a disaster hey thanks for the comments guys really appreciate that we're going to get to some tips from high yield growers on today's program stay tuned don't let resistant weeds win on your field herbicide resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers tough 5ec a selective contact herbicide manufactured by belgium crop protection can help 
Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, and we're going to be taking tips for high yield and high profitability on the farm. If you'd like to share some things that are working for you on your farm and giving you a great return on investment, we'd love to hear those today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Uh, also, if you just have agronomic questions, you say, you know, I don't have any real great tips today, but I'm curious what you do with this situation. We'd sure love to help you too. Uh, Brian, we're digging into the Ag PhD mailbag and there's there's just been so many things coming. This one is interesting though. I hadn't heard this one. Uh, Bob from down in Iowa said, I'm not sure uh, what you guys think about this or if you've heard this, but my agronomist recently informed me that Prowl H2O is no longer labeled to be applied north of I-80. Have you guys heard this? I know till No, that's not true. No, no, no. What what it is is north of I-80, you just can't put it on after you've planted the soybeans and you never have been able to. The reason why has to do with you can have some stem damage on the soybean plant, if you spray it after you've planted, prior to emergence, if you get rain at just the wrong time and the right amount of rain, and especially in soils where you don't have a lot of organic matter or a lot of organic material on the soil surface. So there are a lot of conditions there, but basically we've seen it before where this, there's a black spot on the stem a big wind comes along late in the season and it knocks all the plants over. So that's no good. That's the reason why it's not labeled after you plant north of Interstate 80. So you have to use it pre-plant basically north of Interstate 80. But no, it is still labeled, no problem. 
All right, let's head to the phone lines here. We've got Troy with us right now. He's uh, an NCGA winner over in the state of Illinois. Troy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Good afternoon, Darren. Brian? Yeah, uh, we're really excited to talk to you. And, and one of the things that we're talking about today is getting tips about what can increase yield, but not only increase yield, increase profits. So many farmers, and I'm sure you are too, are just excited about where commodity prices are right now. we got a shot to make some money if we do things right. Uh, are there some things, that, I know you get to talk to other growers uh, around the country, I'm sure once you once you win a contest or two, you get people saying, hey, 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 Troy, what what's the best way to make money and make high yield? Uh, what are some common things that you'd share? Well, I think there's a, there's a combination of two or three things. Um, first off, we have, uh, you know, I've got a great team here at the farm, and I've got a great group of uh, support suppliers uh, that provide me with excellent service, whether it's my local dealer, uh, my relationship with my seed rep, that's pretty critical, the agronomist that they provide me with. And, of course, you can't beat that help at home with your, with your parents and uh, my brother Trent that also farms with me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I farm with my brother too. And I, I don't know, I, I guess saying great help, I'm not sure, but pretty good help. Pretty good help. I'll give him that. Okay, well, if so- we agreed on everything, <laughs> we would never get anywhere, right? Wouldn't that be an honest statement? Yes, absolutely. No, it's fun. And we were talking about it at our workshops we were doing this week that, you know, we have differing ideas sometimes. And when we do, okay, let's try them both out and see which one works. And either way, if we figure out something that helps make us more money, we both win. So that's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, people ask me what, you know, what creates a great yield for the NCGA contest or in general, what can create higher yields across my farm? And so looking back, one of the biggest things we've done is we put in field tile on a lot of farms. On this field and particularly where the NCGA plot was at, it actually had a new tile system on it. It was put in uh, in the fall of 2020. And actually there is tile in that farm four-inch tile every 40 feet. So appropriate drainage would be that great first step. And then, of course, making sure you don't have any compaction layers out there. And, uh, of course, this is a bean stubble going back into corn, so we've got some rotation in there. So nothing is competing against that plant whenever it comes up. I love that. So that's kind of one of our first key steps. Yeah, I love that you're going with the basics here, Troy, because so often people will say, well, I know, I know I need drainage, but, you know, give me that silver bullet, that one thing that, oh, man, if I just did this at V6 instead of V5, it's going to make 20 more bushel. But you're absolutely right. We get good drainage, so we know we're going to have good soil health and our roots can get deep and we wipe out compaction. Kind of the same thing. We've got a good, healthy soil to, to be a base for whatever we're going to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, you know, your plant date is going to be pretty critical. I mean, obviously, Mother Nature is never going to make that perfect day for all of us to plant every acre. But in the case of the plot, it went in there in mid-April, and it was planted at around 38,000 seeds per acre, which is a little higher than normal in our typical area. Typically, we are right around 36,000, but we put the decaled hybrid in 64, 64, 34, pardon me, 64, 64 at 38,000. That was a big help to us because at that time frame, we had an actual stand of 36,000 even plants out there. So that that helped a bunch. And then of course, weed control. You know, you don't want anything else competing against those plants. And uh, especially with an NCGA plot, you never want that corn to have a bad day to optimize that yield. 
All right, let me ask you a question, Troy. Tar spot, has that gotten to your area, and how big a deal have fungicides been in your program? Uh, so we have been using fungicide for about the last 20 years. Um, it, it's been a beneficial part of our farm and in increasing our corn yields, uh, especially back in, uh, I'm going to say from around 2009 to about 2014. Our farm, like many others here in the Midwest, we're on a continuous corn rotation. There you learn very quickly that you need to be spraying that corn for plant disease. In 2021, it couldn't have been a bigger thing to add to your farming operation. Um, tar spot was a big deal. wasn't quite as bad as what it is kind of in that I-80 area, but you get around I-72, we did have it. And uh, that application of fungicide was a big help to us. And taking a look at our NCGA plot, we actually used two applications because with something like that, you want to optimize that yield as best as you can. And obviously, $6 corn wasn't here yet, but we did spray our plots with two passes. And that first pass went on right before, um, right before silk, and then a second pass went on at brown silk roughly three weeks later. So we had six weeks of perfect control, and whenever we harvested that plot, obviously it was, it was very green. It had excellent plant health, and uh, fungicide couldn't have been a more beneficial. If there was one thing that definitely put us on the top for the NCGA plot this year, it was the two passes of fungicide. Yeah, so big this year, no doubt about that. And I know some guys would would say rootworm control this year made a huge, huge difference for them too. And I, I just, I love, I love this. I love your list, Troy. You get a lot of things that we would consider. Hey, you got to do these things, and if you do them, they do have big results on the other end. I'm sure there's lots of little one bushel, two bushel, three bushel kind of things along the way too. Just how fussy you are with different things that you're doing on the farm that add. But these ones seem to be the the great big ones that you just got to get right. Yeah, yeah. So the big things that really stood out for producers in this area was obviously multi-pass applications of nitrogen. Uh, and that fungicide as application, as you and I just spoke, um, that couldn't have been more critical this year. Whether you did one pass or especially two passes, um, it was almost logarithmic, if you would. It just kept increasing at an increasing rate. So making sure that plant did not have a bad day was a, was a huge success for us. So goal number two is to keep, uh, you know, to keep those plants healthier longer, just as long as we can until we harvest. Yep. Great tips, Troy. Congratulations to you and your whole team on just an unbelievable uh, finish in the NCGAs. Uh, great yields, uh, great success, and wish more of that success for you this coming year. Well, thank you very much. Glad to, glad to be on with you today. You bet. Uh, we're getting some tips from top growers. Uh, we started off here with Troy in Illinois. Fantastic. Uh, just had a, a great yield response this year out of fungicides and, and some of the other practices that he was talking about. Uh, our phone lines are open today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, we've got a, a caller on hold right now. It's Jim in South Dakota. Jim, we're just about up to a break. Uh, but if you want to throw your question out at us, we'll uh, we'll talk about it right after this. Yes, sir. I was at your seminar the last couple of days. They were great. The food was great. And uh, the entertainment was good, too. And we're talking about 2,4-D. I've got quite a bit extra 2,4-D on hand from a couple of years ago. Oh, and perfect. Perfect, Jim. You had, a, you had a product that went way up in price. That's going to be awesome. Let's, let's talk about that right after this break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. This is a wake-up call. For you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We got Jim on from South Dakota. Uh, and Jim threw out 24D. And Jim, I just wanted to get you in before the break just to, to get that 24D idea out there. And you bought a head, which this year turned out to be great because 24D went way up in price. Right. I got it. Well, this runnings was chasing Campbell's out of town, so they had a closeout. It was cheap a year and a half or two ago. So, okay. So, uh, so what's your question on two forty? You're looking for places and opportunities to use it up. Where could I best utilize? I know there's a lot of things that you know are Roundup resistant, other spray resistant. Where I think two four D is still working on a lot of things that others won't. Where would you use that at, sir? 
Well, the the problem, Jim, is 2,4-D, we have volatility issues, and then we also have crop safety concerns. So we don't advise it in in the spring in front of corn. We don't advise it at all in the spring in front of soybeans unless those beans are 2,4-D tolerant, so basically in list. In the fall, you could use it on any acre you want, corn acre, bean acre, since you're not planting it till the spring. So a lot of times what, what we advise for guys who are in reduced till or no-till or strip-till situations, if they've got mare's tail, dandelion, some of these tough winter annuals or perennials, hit those hard in the fall with 2,4-D. So that'd be one place in crop that I would go. Then we talk about non-crop acres. We use it a lot in ditches, pastures. Um, there, there are quite a few places you can use it. It's just you have to be really careful because of the volatility of old 2,4-D. So we talk a lot about the new 2,4-D Freelex. We prefer that because we don't have volatility issues. But old 2,4-D will still work just fine killing weeds. Like I say, just be careful where you're using it. Okay. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the show. Boy, I learned so much. The only one thing, it makes me feel kind of dumb when I leave there. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. I, I mean, the one thing that we say all the time is, what we're trying to do is just get everybody thinking about their operations because nobody is going to care more about your farm than you. And every farmer out there is smart. It's just farmers have a lot of things that they have to be or are supposed to be experts at. You think about it, for a lot of big businesses, they can delegate, oh, this person takes care of this and this person takes care of that. On the farm, you got to do it all. So it's hard to keep up with all the things regarding seed and crop protection and everything else. So that's just why we have some of these update meetings. So glad you enjoyed it and uh, thanks a lot for calling in jim could i have one quick question sure. is there a way to get you on my computer i can't afford the serious radio um there's no way to get you other on the show just go here. just go to our our website agphd.com so we don't have the live version there or anything but on agphd.com we've got that otherwise you could podcast it so just off your smartphone or something like that so again it won't be the live version but uh, but you could certainly catch a recorded version later on Okay, thank you. You bet. Thanks, Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got our friend Kelly Garrett on with us right now. Kelly, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Darren? Well, pretty good. Uh, I'm not cranking out 390 bushel corn or anything just yet, and that's why we're trying to get some tips from guys that are. So, uh, okay, let's make it real simple, Kelly. Uh, Is there just one or two things that we need to do, or is it a whole bunch that, that we've got to do to get 390? There's quite a list, and I'm still adding to it. I'm still learning all the time. It's a it's a big list, very extensive. Okay, so say that I say that I bought the farm right next to yours, or say that you started all over. Your kids took over your operation. You got to start it all over on the farm next door. Uh, what's the what are the first few things that you do to kind of get your farm set up to to make three ninety? I want to balance my soil. And to do that, I look at the base saturation numbers. And typically where I live, we have too much calcium. So I want to, I'm going to probably want to apply quite a bit of sulfur uh, year in and year out to, uh, to take that calcium out of the equation to bring that more into balance. Number one thing by far. 
Yeah, getting things in balance in the soil is interesting and trying to get soil health going because you know all those living things in the soil are going to be helping getting nutrients into your crop and, and keeping your crop uh, in good shape throughout the season. That's a big deal. Absolutely. I know, I know that you've got uh, a lot of challenges where you farm in western Iowa and that soil fertility can certainly help you be more tolerant to some of the, the tough weather that you get in those things. How about in crop? Or did you see anything last year like rootworms or disease? or any of those things that you say, man, that was a 10-bushel pop. uh, We're not going to plant rootworm corn anymore. We're going to go back to, you know, a straight Roundup variety or a conventional variety, depending on what it is, probably some double stack, but there will be no more rootworm corn because those traits are defense, Darren. They're not offense, and those traits actually take away yield because your plant, again, is playing defense. So we're going to use ethos from FMC in furrow uh, for our pesticide, you know, our insecticide protection. We're seeing an 18-bushel yield increase from that. Um, on disease, we're probably going to start using uh, a couple rounds of fungicide. We saw a 26-bushel pop from Zyway in our 2x2. Two two. Wow. And the third thing, the most exciting thing I learned this year was I don't believe that I've ever seen a healthy corn plant now, uh, a stress-free corn plant. And the reason is we had some uh, trials with some experimental products from Agrison that showed a 25-bushel yield pop in a stressed area. And I, I've now decided that I don't know what a stress-free corn plant looks like because I've never seen one before. I, I believe I have enough fertility for maybe another 100 bushel, but i got to figure out how to take the stress off the plant to utilize that fertility. Yeah, Kelly Garrett dropping bombs here on the show today. Man, 18 bushels off adding that insecticide out there, which I will say this. I completely buy that because last year, man, there was some rootworm pressure out there, and I know there were guys that lost a lot more than 18 bushels. So I totally buy that. The the Zyway, man, we had a nine-bushel pop on our farm, and we didn't have much disease. So I can only imagine with twice the yield that you're getting, uh, you'd have twice the gain or a little bit more. So that makes sense to me too. And you said two-pass fungicide. So is that considered one of them, the Inferro or two-by-two, and then come back later with one or are you talking two in crop ones um i would you know i want to put the zyway in the two by two and then i'm going to come back and you know maybe a veltima uh a triva pro we've got a new sponsor spray tech this year and they've got an exciting uh technology that they call the cube and you pair this cube with a fungicide and you can use a very inexpensive fungicide uh and it really pairs down the cost and there's some exciting trial work that we've seen there that we're going to try this year as well so i'm i really want to look at that but plant health and and taking the stress off are my focuses for this next year here's one of my big things that i'm taking away uh talking with you kelly is is you run trials you try new concepts and new products and you keep records and now now you know if if next year uh, the price of ethos goes up and and your son says, oh, man, Dad, I don't know if we should do that. You're like, dude, it's 18 bushels. It's worth it for yeah. us. And and you got the data to back that up. I love that. Yes. It, it, uh, I, was, I didn't think we'd see that much out of the ethos. I was really surprised. All right. So you gave us quite a few things to chew on here. How about when we look at soybeans? We've kind of talked corn or talked corn quite a bit here. Do a lot of these same kinds of concepts play out in soybeans, or is it a totally different animal? No, they do. The plant health and the stress. I haven't seen as much out of the stress, but we haven't done as much with that. The plant health is paramount. We uh, 
we were spraying approach prima all the time and matt and kevin you know matt miles in arkansas kevin they're always telling me that they thought revitech was a better product revitech is quite a bit more expensive i didn't think it was worth it uh, we sprayed it this year darren against approach and the revitech was a 97 dollar net money better wow so i'm 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 pretty excited about revitech the cube from spray tech we're going to use that on the soybeans this year too to see what happens uh, a foliar any you know the root system of the soybean isn't very good so we really like to use a foliar uh application there and for us with all the phosphorus we have from our plant food byproduct we're really big on zinc in a foliar application and of course anything that's potassium acetate we like every time we go across the field on beans potassium acetate's going on that's just a given very interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and focusing on, hey, the roots are small just by nature on soybeans, so let's do whatever we can to help that crop out. I, I like that. It, it makes some common sense to me. We're talking with Kelly Garrett here down in Iowa, and you've been so kind to share lots of ideas for us to chew on here, Kelly. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Anytime, Darren. Thank you. Have a good day. You bet. You too. Getting tips for higher yield and better profitability? We'd love to hear from you, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. Today's technology has changed virtually everything, but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other tough weeds pre and post emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum makers. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training. So be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. 
precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's been a fun show today talking about how do we get more yield and how do we make more money on the farm. And there there have been tons of ideas that we've been throwing out. We are just talking with Kelly Garrett, and uh, now we're, we're blessed to have another great farmer out with us. We've got Lee Lubers. He farms in southern South Dakota. Lee, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. All right, Kelly had a lot of stuff there. He he kept talking about reducing stress, reducing stress, and I thought, man, he he almost sounds like he farms in South Dakota. <laughs> We're all learning the value of reducing stress in the plant and how important that is. We it, it's we've got to do it to maintain yield potential. We're all starting to figure that out. Yeah, I think the the soil health is a big deal and I know we've heard tips about eliminate the compaction and and if you get drainage issues get after that and balancing soil fertility. I think those things are good. What percentage of this whole game farming is based on getting that soil just perfect? Well, that that is your base. That's your foundation. So uh, fertility, it takes a while to work with it, but once you get the foundation there, then you can start unlocking your potential. And then it comes down to plant health and uh, disease management, disease prevention, uh, because on that, you can't play catch up. If you lose the disease, you can't come back and get, gain that yield again. Does crop rotation really reduce that a lot or, or in your area, hey, there's just enough corn around. Even if I'm rotating away, I'm going to have some of those same problems, whether it's bugs or, or disease or, hey, there's wheat all around me. Even if I'm rotating, I'm still going to have a bunch. Do you, do you feel like rotation helps with that a lot? Rotation helps us in the aspect not of just insects and disease, but uh, water management uh, because the wheat we will cut in July and then we're banking uh, moisture for the next year's corn crop. And in a regular year, we will see a 10 to 20 bushel yield pop on our corn yeah, just from wheat stubble. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Okay. Yeah. One, one other thing Kelly threw out, he said he, he got convinced uh, by some other, other guys in your group in Extreme Ag to try some different fungicides versus what he was using. And one fungicide to the next was $97 net difference on the farm do you do a lot of trial work like that and do you see some big differences between the fungicides that are out there uh trial work never stops that's just how we keep learning and keep sharing the results with people and between ourselves and even this last year we were in the worst drought since 2012 and we had a fungicide combo product that we tested on corn and it returned anywhere from 60 to $90 an acre net, even in a drought. And that caught our attention. Hey, we've got a surprise for you, Lee. We got your friend Matt Miles on down in the state of Arkansas to Matt uh, talking with Lee Lubers up here in South Dakota. How's it going down in Arkansas? Going pretty good. How are y'all? 
Not too bad. All right, so we had Kelly Garrett on a little bit ago, and he was talking about stress. And uh, and Lee, of course, always gives us great tips. We know Lee knows how to deal with, with stressful conditions out on his crop. How about for you down in Arkansas? I know you guys run into some challenges down there, too. What are some of your big tips for growers to overcome the stresses that are coming during the year? Yeah, we, we do, and, and I, and I kind of hate you putting me behind Kelly and Lee because they <laughs> forgot more than I know about about farming in general. But, uh, yeah, we, we have mostly ours is heat, and, you know, that's something that's a little hard to, uh, you know, co- combat against. But, you know, just different products maybe to work on that. Y'all got some products that, that we've used. Mr. Lee, is uh, this is going to be the year I told – we've talked about this for – for the last couple of years and he said i've got some things that you can do that's going to help today uh you know we just try to hit those early planting windows say on soybeans or corn try to keep you know try to have a lot of our, our fruit retention and, and and pollination done before that that heat hits and then of course you know last year we got hit with flooding we had to actually go in and destroy you know some bean fields and corn fields i had i had water deeper than the ears on a 40 acre cornfield so Oof, yeah. That field in particular, we we were able to put a, uh, some drain tile in. Uh, that's something completely new for the Delta. Got it in this fall. Got the ground work, you know, and, and the tile lines kind of filled in this past week. We were on that field three to four days earlier than we can get on our high sand. So, man, I think the sky's the limit there uh, for us. We'll see how the ROI works out. But that's probably what I, you know, the stress comes from many different ways, but but we mostly get it from either heat or too, or too much water. So, you know, it, the only way to, to mitigate the water is have better drainage. You know, Rob, we just came from a conference uh, that Rob and Lane and I all spoke at, and uh, Rob said a lot of people tell him that they've got, he, they've got a flooding problem. And he, you know, he'll go look and he'll say, you really don't have a flooding problem, you got a drainage problem. And, you know, he always says the tracos of farmers, you know, excavators are farmers' best friend. So, you know, that's our... We, you've got to start with drainage, and then from there, the fertility, and then, you know, from there, we keep pushing these early planting dates. Y'all, if, if we get to wet weather, you're going to be pretty surprised at how early I'm going to try a field or two of beans <laughs> this year, because every year, they just keep increasing yield by oh, that. I, I love it. I love it. You guys are always pushing the windows, and uh, let's swing it back to Lee here, but one of the things that I like about what you guys are doing is is you're learning from each other, and you're talking to, to other good farmers in different areas. Uh, so, Lee, what do you pick up on this when, when you hear Matt talking about the, the heat and the things that he's dealing with and early planting windows? Does the how much of that uh, can you use on your farm? Uh, every bit of that. Uh, we're miles apart, but yet we have a lot of things in common. We're all asking a lot more of our crops and our, and pushing our planting dates in pursuit of higher yields. And his heat is different than ours, but with his heat index, it's I've been down there before in the summertime. It's <laughs> excruciating, and that's tough on a corn plant. Up here, we get a dry heat. But the more we can work on alleviating the stress of that plant and keep it functioning through the heat periods, uh, we're gaining yield. Both of us are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know the, the – I care- can say this, Darren. I'd like to say one thing. Sure. I, I, went, I was able to go to Mr. Lee's last year the, uh, day, the day before the, the field day. And one thing is he's a lot hotter than I ever expected him to be at that, that point in time. But, but that man there – if you was on, if you was in an airplane, you could have picked his crop out for 
within a hundred miles away from it. I think you were high enough because we were in some places where he had minimal water and the corn still looked as healthy as, is what ours do down here with irrigation. So whatever Mr. Lee's doing there, I can tell you it's working. Well, I'd say this about both you guys. You don't listen to other people saying, oh, you can't do that. It seems like uh, both of you guys take that challenge on and say, oh, yeah, we can. We'll, we'll show you how, and, and we'll figure this thing out, because you're right. I know Lee's farm, man, it's it, it really stands out because they, they just work so hard. Uh, he and his brother work so hard at getting things just right so that crop doesn't suffer. And, and the same thing for you, Matt. I mean, you're making such a difference down there when you're starting to pop these 100-bushel soybean yields off. Guys said, what? That can't be done here you guys are making regular occurrence doing that yeah we're, we're trying hard and you know soybeans a lot more it's it's less reactive to to different inputs in a corn plant we seem to be able to get our corn to react to different products we're using better than we do our our soybeans sometimes you can get too much of a good thing on either one of them but when you find that happy mix of something that's increasing your yield um you know it's a it's a pretty big deal you know, and I'd say this too, both of you guys have, have good teams around you, and uh, it's not just a one-man show. Uh, I certainly have always appreciated that, that, that you don't take all the credit and, and you say, well, it's not just me here that's doing this. How, how big a deal is that, Lee? I, I know, you know, when you got your brother there, uh, I, I know how it is farming with a brother. Sometimes he thinks he's right, and i got to prove him wrong, but other times he comes up with some good ideas too. It's all about working with good people that that's how things happen and that and that's what one of the huge things that makes farming fun is working with good people and exchanging the ideas and and you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about trying new things and i know people love to say well you got to think outside the box no the important thing is remember there is no box don't hold yourself back yeah that's that's a great point we're talking with lee lubers here and matt miles guys thank you so much you're always so generous with your time really appreciate having you on Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Getting some tips uh, about how to raise bigger yields, how to make more profit on the farm, and we'd love to hear from you. You probably heard some ideas today and said, oh, okay, that, that's a good idea. I could try that, but they haven't talked about this yet. If you got one of those ideas, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, 
herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. And we had a question come in. This one's from Ty. Uh, he said, I'm a young farmer. I raise irrigated alfalfa hay in southeastern Washington state on the southern edge of the Palouse. I'm determined to increase my yield through soil fertility. This spring, I used your app to create one-acre grid samples. And the samples you're looking at are taken before I put on fertilizer. And this is going into fields that I was going to seed to alfalfa this year. I spread a dry fertilizer mix, plowed it in. And my idea was, much like yours here, to front load a large amount of the PNK deep in the soil before seeding and then annually apply things like sulfur and boron. I was just wondering what you think of these soil tests if I'm on the right track. Uh, I put out 420 pounds of a 724-24-3 with a little bit of zinc as well, shooting for 7 tons a year. And I would love to get six-year lifespan out of the stand. Uh, I'd also like to raise my pH in certain spots, as you're going to notice. My fertilizer dealer says, we can't get lime in our area. So I'm just wondering, is that true? And is there any other practical way to raise pH without lime? Oh, there's all kinds of lime around. It's just you might have to spend more money on trucking. But we know that with alfalfa, the pH needs to be near 7. If it's not real close to 7, you're going to lose yield. Or look at unconventional sources. We don't get lime yep. from a mine or anything like that. Nope. We're, we're getting lime from the water treatment plant at yep. the city that's 10 miles away from our farm. Yep, and there are water treatment plants out there. And in a lot of cases, they're trying to find somebody to take that lime for free. So I'd ask around a little bit. Anyway, I, the the plan is good. But Darren, didn't you say it was a 724-243 blend? Yes. And only seven tons? Uh, 420 pounds of that. And... Or sorry, yeah. And, yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. shooting for seven tons of yeah. 
hay per right. year. Right. Seven tons of hay. Look at what that's going to take out. Here's where I'm going with this. If you're only putting 420 pounds out of this stuff, you multiply 24% times 420, and roughly, you're at 100 pounds of K. Well, you're going to remove that more than that in the first year. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind the dry matter thing, and that's the, the question, that seven tons. Exactly. It might be four tons or what, whatever, but the point is that's not very much K. The phosphorus, you know, you're, you're not in bad shape, but the problem with both P and K is they don't move very well in soil. So that's the reason why we like front loading. And especially when you talk, the cation exchange capacities we're looking at here, it's in the 20s. So, I mean, not in all of it. Some of it's a little bit lighter. Some some would be medium textured, 14, 15, whatever. But there's a bunch in the 20s. You're just not going to move phosphorus in any soil. And potassium, even with the irrigation, you're not going to move it down very well. So, I, I mean... I know this is a horrible year to front load fertilizer. It really is. But that would have been the one thing I would have probably pushed a little bit more. Now, I'm glad that he mentioned boron and sulfur because one of the things that I see here is a high P2 test. So that means a high phosphorus test with a strong bray. So in other words, the strong acid to pull phosphorus out. And a low test, low, very low numbers with the P1 or weak bray test. So that means that there's a fair amount of phosphorus out there, but a lot of it is either tied up or it's just flat out not available today. So one of the ways we make it more available is getting more sulfur out there. That usually will help. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned sulfur. Just make sure you're putting plenty of sulfur on and getting some boron out there because boron's super important for alfalfa. The last thing that I'll throw out, well, two things. Zinc, your zinc levels are really low, part per million or less. And we usually like that 10 to 1 with phosphorus. So you got to get a little bit more zinc out and also copper. You're at one part per million and we'd like to see it at two or more. So zinc and copper are two nutrients that also, just like phosphorus, barely move in soil. I mean, it takes you decades sometimes to move them an inch. So those would have been two more that I probably would have thrown, not going getting carried away, but I probably would have thrown more out and maybe you still have time to get that done. All right, thanks for the questions. If you get any follow-ups, please let us know. Get this from Amaya. I, I heard about your scouting and scholarships meeting coming up in June. Just wondering, do you have to be from your state? Does it cost any money to come to the event? Uh, no, you don't have to be from South Dakota, and no, it doesn't cost anything. So the reason why we put on all the clinics and workshops and meetings that we do, in part, is to say thanks to all of our listeners here on Ag PhD Radio, and thanks to all to all of our viewers at Ag PhD TV. We have been very, very blessed over the years, and we're trying to give back. And one of the ways we do that is with all the scholarships that we give out. So that's the one day per year that we give scholarships out, and we do it in one shot just so we have. Uh, a bigger crowd. We can then bring in a whole bunch of other agronomists, and it's worth our while to 
spend as much money as we do setting everything up at our Ag PhD field day for all this scouting that we're going to do that day and uh, the, the presentations that we do and everything else. And then in one shot, we're done. But yeah, we're going to give away a whole bunch of scholarships that day. I don't know what the number will be. I think last year was 40 plus. So um, you, you just need to pre-register, need to show up on time toward the end. We'll give you a quiz and everything. But, but yeah, um, it's going to be a really fun day. And it is all free. Thanks for the questions. Hope to see you that day. That would be wonderful. Uh, get a couple of comments here that came in about uh, plowing. And M.A. said, when you're plowing, are you actually increasing organic matter in the soil through deco decomposing the plants? And Z.M. No. responded right away to that online and said, no, that doesn't increase it. That burns it up quicker. And that kind of yep. leads me into my next question here. This comes from Alex down in Texas. Uh, who said, when you guys talk about organic matter mineralization, you often say 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen per percentage of organic matter that comes throughout the growing season. Yep. Now, I'm assuming those numbers would be for the Midwest, with most of the ground frozen for at least a, a portion of the year. Yep. How about down in the south? I'm in East Texas. We hardly ever have an actual hard freeze, let alone the ground ever getting frozen. So without that winter freeze, do we have more... Uh, nutrients like nitrogen, yeah. phosphorus, sulfur that are going to come available? If so, could you give me any way to estimate that? And also, if we have wet years versus dry years, how is that going to impact it? Uh, yes, you would have more potential for mineralization. Now, if it's absolutely bone dry, then it's possible that you might not get great mineralization. But in most cases, there's enough soil moisture for mineralization to occur. Also, if you had flood conditions where let's say your ground was completely flooded for two months, well, you're going to kill a lot of the microbes. You're going to slow down that process of organic matter mineralization. So just as an example to that, if you go into some of the areas in the Dakotas that are poorly drained, some of the organic matter levels look really good. The reason why is because there was no organic matter, or I shouldn't say no, but there, was, there wasn't there was nearly the level of organic matter mineralization because the soils were not healthy. The, the bacteria and fungi and all the microbes in the soil that would normally break down the organic matter couldn't do it because they died. Uh, you have to have air in that soil in order to have at least some good level of mineralization each and every year. All right, thanks for the questions. Got this from Larry, and he said, I just read something that Brian put out, and at the end it said, use two pre's and base your post-emerge decisions on whatever's left for soybean weed control. And you guys always talk about three pre's. Not sure if that's a misprint or if, or if there's some kind of differing opinion here. But my real question is around Prowl. Does it need to be worked in? You often say it doesn't, but I'm just wondering why in some cases farmers do need to work it in and others don't, and then... My second question would be... Well, wait, dual, you, are, you already got two questions. Let's handle one question at a time. So what was the first question? Oh, the two pre's. I don't remember what the article was, and maybe there was something else we were talking about, and maybe it was, hey, make sure you're using a minimum of two and then use something early post-emerge for even more residual. So I don't know what the context of that was, so I, I can't answer that one specifically. Okay, and then the prowl thing was what? Uh, does it need to be worked in or not? In some areas they say no. yes, in others it doesn't. Is no, there a reason? No, no, it doesn't need to be worked in anywhere. But here's the thing. If you don't get rain, then how is it going to work? It's got to get down in the ground at the soil surface. It's not going to do the, get the weed control that you're looking for. 
All right, yeah, and as you come north, you've got to put it on way early if you're not going to work it in, correct? What? You need the Why? Moisture. Well, it has nothing to do with north or south or anywhere. I don't care where you are. you got to have water to move it in and or you till it in. So if you have no water, then you have to till it in. So that would be the only reason why I would say you have to till it in is if you're going to have no water. And the last question is, dual considered one of the pre's or one of the yellows? Uh, well, dual can be a pre or early post. It is not a yellow. The yellows are trifluralin, prowl, and sonalin. All right. Thanks for the questions, Larry. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.